I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 84 of the Weave Podcast. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Alicia Reyes, who started out in fibers as a knitter, but became curious of other fiber arts and learned fiber processing and spinning on a farm. Alicia, who is a proud mom of two, is also the founder of the Fiber Circle Studio, a fiber studio located in the beautiful wine country of Northern California. So stay tuned to listen to how she started her business at 26 and some of the lessons she's learned along the way. Hey, Alicia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Can you start out by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background? Yeah, so my name is Alicia, and I began the whole fiber arts process about 11 years ago, and I got into it initially through knitting. And once I started exploring that whole area of knitting, I decided I wanted to learn everything about fiber arts. Um, And so that's when I got into the other areas like spinning and weaving. Interesting. And I remember reading in your bio that you, um, at some point, you were a knitter and then you um, were interested in materials and you worked on a farm and you ended up developing more skills in the fiber arts. Yeah, that's correct. So um, when I was 22, I guess I'd been knitting for about five years. Um, When I developed that interest of doing all things in fiber arts, I decided to um, head up to a farm in Washington State. And I'm from California, um, so not too far away, um, but Mm -hmm. far enough away that I could um, just freely be independent. And I lived with a family. Um, there's a husband and wife who owned a farm. And there I was able to uh, take care of the animals. And um, I didn't get to shear a sheep. Um, but I did get to <laughs> process the wool and wash the wool, cart it. Um, they showed me how to drop spin and wheel spin. Um, and then I didn't learn weaving there. Um, she didn't have a loom up and running, but then when I came back home to California, um, is when I started exploring that. Wow. That sounds so cool. And, um, how did you like meet them and, and get the opportunity? Yeah. So, um, (laughs) lovely Google, (laughs) Um, I looked up, (laughs) I looked up farms in Washington and it came up with the Washington wool group. Um, so I just sent an email to whoever organized that and they put word out to their community. And from there, um, the woman Vicky is who I stayed with. She then sent me an email. Um, we conversed back and forth and, then I just went for it. (laughs) Um, And I did kind of like a work exchange. So um, similar to the wolfing program, but it wasn't formally um, wolfing. Um, I 
would work for them on the farm and doing their daily tasks in exchange for room and board and then fiber arts knowledge. When you started to explore the world of fiber, um, what were the tools that you were using in the beginning? Like, did you start off with the frame loom or did you go straight to a floor loom? Yeah, so once I came back home and started exploring weaving, I um, had an acquaintance who I asked to help me uh, through the weaving process, and she was kind enough to take me under her wing and let me borrow one of her looms, which was a four-harness Harrisville loom, Um, and my first project was quite ambitious. I wanted to do a 60-inch wide blanket um, for my bed and there wasn't a large enough loom for it so I was just on a little 24 inch (laughs) loom and so I wove it in three panels which was a really great way to get started because I was able to then practice the steps all three times. Uh, The only disadvantage to that was because I was learning my tension on all three panels are different. (laughs) And how did into creating the Fiber Circle Studio? Yeah, so I for college I majored in small business management. So I kind of always knew that I was on a track to own my own business. And it was upon turning twenty six that I realized um, I was dropping off my mom's insurance, and I was working for just over minimum wage. Um, I was teaching knitting and working in a yarn store and really loved being in that environment. But um, having um, not being on my mom's insurance anymore kind of made me realize that it was time to figure out who I was as an adult. Um, You know, I was no longer Mm -hmm. a child, even though it sometimes still feels that way. Um, And so I started exploring how could I turn my passion into into a business. And I wanted a space that I could go to that was mainly focused around community, learning, sharing, um, a place where there was equipment that I could use. Um, I live in a really small apartment. And so um, I don't really have the space for a large loom and a spinning wheel and fiber processing tools. Um, nor was I really in a position financially to acquire all that stuff on my own. Um, But funny enough, I decided that this was a space I wanted to create myself. And so I accumulated four floor rooms, four, excuse me, I accumulated four floor looms um, in our 700 square foot space. And Um, as well as a couple spinning wheels and warping boards and drum carters and sewing machines. Um, And all of this kind of as an investment towards opening what became Fiber Circle Studio in January 2018. Wow. So you're you're kind of like just coming off the hills of a year. Um, yes, exactly. Uh, come January um, of 2020, it'll be two years. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thanks. It's exciting. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting that you're kind of talking about, you know, the sort of transition in life where you are coming off of your parents' insurance and trying to figure out how you can leverage this thing that you really enjoy doing and make it a business. Um, I'm, I'm 26 now. So I completely feel everything that you just said. <laughs> um, but can you kind of talk about how you like what were some of the decisions that you were making in in starting the business, like uh, maybe choosing a space and how you went about connecting with the community and like some of the, the philosophy that I've read about of the Fiber Circle Studio? Yeah, Um well, kind of to start with, I there was one woman partway through trying to figure out what it was I wanted to create. Um, her and I had a phone conversation, and she's um, a fiber artist herself. And the best advice that she had given me was um, to let it be organic and to let it evolve on its own. So I tend to be... <laughs> I'm OCD. I like lists. I plan things out. Um, and so hearing that advice was eye opening for me and in some ways difficult because that was out of my normal way of doing things. Um, but I was able to follow that. Um, and what I came to realize is that in the time that I had started learning how to knit and going and living on a farm and working in a yarn shop and teaching. I'd been creating a community all around me and a network of people without really even realizing it. So having that community and that support made it very viable to even start thinking about the process because I knew that there was an audience. I knew that there would be people um, who followed me in some way or another or had engaged with me at some point who would want to become a part of this. Um, so it started off with lots and lots of late nights and my notebook um, and just drafting out ideas about what would the space <laughs> look like? What would it look like um, 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 like energetically? What would it look like physically? What would it look like financially? Mm. Um, how can I get the money for this? Because I don't have it at age 26. <laughs> um, and I started looking at spaces and that alone opens up all the other doors to starting a physical business. Um, you know, things like insurance and um your credit and where you're getting the money from and what your financial, what your worth is as an individual financially. Um, all of those things that I had an idea about from doing business school, but <laughs> it's different once you get into it. Um, mm. And a lot of those areas were not working out in the beginning. Um, I had, a really difficult time finding a space for many reasons. Um, one being my age. Um, you know, I would set up appointments and meet people to see a space and they questioned um, my youth, I suppose. Maybe not um, directly, but I could tell by the way they looked and talked to me that there was a question of, you know, is this person really someone that I can be renting to? And, 
um, trust to pay the rent or trust to hit, to take care of the space. Um, so that, that wasn't working out. Um, the fact that we do dying in the studio, many spaces, as soon as they heard the word dying, they completely were just like, nope, sorry, not interested. Um, before even kind of hearing what it was <laughs> that we were doing with dying and how it would affect the water system. Um, yeah, so so I did hit roadblocks there, and at at one point I finally said, "Okay, this isn't working out. I'm just gonna let it sit for a while." At this point, I had been planning for about I'd say almost a full year, um, and I had been going to local events with the different um, pieces of equipment I had started accumulating and a newsletter list to start building interest. And so on a monthly basis, I would send out a newsletter saying where I was at and starting the business. And when I finally had just decided to sit back, um, that woman's advice (laughs) uh, surfaced about let it grow organically. And the space I ended up being in was a yarn shop that had ended up deciding she no longer um, wanted to be in business and she was moving out of state and the space ended up being perfect. Um, It was the right square footage. It had the right amenities. It had parking. It had a back, um, a a back outdoor space. Um, And so it, it all just kind of, came together um, in September 2017. And from there, it was like, okay, now it's time to find instructors, finalize equipment, um, get a loan, (laughs) Um, and all those finer details of putting together a business um, I was able Mm -hmm. to do in those last few months of 2017 before opening in January. Wow, such an interesting journey and such great advice. Yeah. Can you can you kind of talk more about the surrounding community? I remember reading that you're like kind of located in wine country. Yep. Yeah, so I'm in a little town called Katadi. Um, which is about an hour north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I The yarn shop that I worked for was in Santa Rosa. So the majority of the community I had started um, connecting with and building was primarily Santa Rosa-based. But Katadi is kind of the central hub of Sonoma County, which um, is right next to Napa County, which a lot of people mm-hmm. identify with as wine country. And um, so I've got large, well, medium-sized towns um, in all directions of me, which is really nice. Um, the demo- the demographics are interesting. Um, we have a large age range um, from people even a little bit younger than me up to, I would say, like their mid-60s. It's primarily women, but I do have men who have come in um, to do membership and work on the looms, um, some men who have come to take classes. Um, so that's been um, 
a nice little breakup of all of the women. Um, and, but, but I'd say like the majority of the people are knitters. Um, and then kind of circled around them are spinners and weavers and dyers. And then the people who aspire to be any or all of those things. (laughs) And do you have specific materials that you use or that you specialize in or any particular, you know, styles of weaving that you focus on at your studio? Um, so the goal of the studio, um, is mainly to be in support of the community. So, um, so far, a lot of our workshops, um, have been beginner intermediate for weavers. Um, I'd say the weaving workshops themselves have only just started really kicking off and filling up in the last six months. Um, So we're in the process of kind of um, building a strong foundation of weavers who will then be hopefully interested in learning different techniques. As far as materials go, um, I actually do not do a lot of retail in the space. Um, So I'm not selling materials, but rather either instructors Mm. are encouraged to bring the materials or the students themselves depending on the teacher and the workshop. Um, we, we do tapestry weaving, rigid heddle weaving, and the floor loom weaving. Um, the tapestry weaving instructor um, has just recently kind of discovered the local fiber rabbit hole. And so her work has started transitioning mm-hmm. to being all <laughs> local fiber. And she definitely encourages that in her workshops and we give the resources to fiber shed and i'm pretty sure um you guys did an interview with rebecca burgess who is the founder of fiber shed um and yeah yeah and so one of the instructors um Robin Lind of Meridian Jacobs is a fiber shed producer so when she teaches her rigid heddle classes she brings the yarn that she has grown from her Jacob sheep and more than not most of them are naturally dyed that she's done as well so yeah are you near the the areas where fiber shed is like are there a lot of other fiber collectives in uh, local fiber communities or people, you know, really focusing on local fiber in your area? Because we've had we've had a couple people from um, the fiber shed community, fiber shed affiliates, um, who, when I look at their work, it's just like it blows my mind because it's like wow. Like, like this is the power of community, seeing all of these people, you know, working together and like working literally from farm to fiber, farm to fabric. Yeah, I'm like right in the center of it. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, so the the fiber shed in Northern California, they have um, geographical like areas and boundaries, but where I'm at is basically more or less right near the origination of fiber shed. Fiber shed itself doesn't have like a physical place, um, but they do support mm-hmm. 
the local farmers and artisans in in like exactly my region. It's a it's a pretty wide region, but I would say that we are all um, fairly close. Um, if not, you know, within a couple hours of each other, we're all like connected energetically and we all support each other. Um, I'm considered to be a fiber shed, uh, fiber shed producer, even though I'm not producing anything tangible. I'm producing um, experiences for people in the fiber arts. So I'm affiliated with them in that way. And they recently just kicked off a knit along and I was a designer for one of the patterns in their knit along. So I very much um, work with them in areas that I can. And you kind of already touched on some of the challenges um, when you first started the studio, but would you say that at this point um, in your business, you've come across any challenges in having a fiber studio? Yes. Um, I believe that, you know, all good things come with bad things. Every time you have a success, there's a failure. Um, I've definitely come, I feel like really Mm. far so far. Um, but I've also hit a lot of, um, hard parts of it. You know, getting yourself established on social media is, has been really hard for me. Um, you know, I have, uh, a good number of followers, but I don't always feel like I get the engagement I'm looking for or, um, just, yeah, like the number of likes, comments, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm also, I can be like, not a, com- yeah, like a comparative person, you know, so I'll look at other people's accounts and go, oh gosh, how do they have 20 K and I'm only at two. <laughs> um, so that's been a challenge. Um, (laughs) finding my own, like, let's see, how do I word this? Finding, finding a happy medium between personal morals and business morals, um, where I may be personally Mm. on my viewpoints for certain situations. I can't be, if I want to own a business, that's been a really big emotional challenge, Um, you know, when people, uh, kind of the, the biggest one that comes to mind is when people are paying for a class or paying for a membership and they don't use it or they're not able to come to a class and they're wanting their money back. Um, you know, so, so policies Mm -hmm. kind of around that, um, have been difficult to navigate. Um, but you know, you keep moving forward and figure out what works best for the business, but that you can feel, you know, maybe it's not your personal, you know, choice to say, okay, this is my policy, but you know, for your business that that really is the most fair way to do it. Um, yeah, I, so I would say like social media and then developing, um, studio business policies that may not, always, you know, they may not always feel good personally, but business-wise, they are what it needs to be. Yeah, I I totally get all of that, especially the social media part, because I definitely sometimes look at people's pages and I'm like, wow, they have 
150 comments <laughs> every picture. How is that possible? <laughs> yep, I know. I've just had to come to realize yeah. that, like, the amount of time that they have to put in to get that, I'm just not willing to do. I'm not a big fan of, like, technology stuff. I'd rather be making, you know, I'd rather be at the loom or spinning or knitting, and um, I just don't enjoy sitting behind my phone or the computer all the time. And so that's just a sacrifice that I'm making is, mm-hmm. okay, I'm, I'm just not spending the time and effort and researching um, in a way that these other people are to have big accounts. Or, you know, some people are kind of like, I see it as like a one hit wonder kind of a thing. Like they do one thing that just everyone loves and it goes viral. Um, and, you know, they maintain the followers, um, but it's like one thing that just makes them go big. Um, and I just, yeah, I have to realize that's not me either. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not a social media person at all. I barely post. And sometimes I do feel kind of like guilty about it. And then I'm also like, you know, this is me. I'm living my life. I should not succumb to these pressures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, Do you have any new projects or future prospects that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah. um, Let's see. One is another kind of thing I'm venturing into. Um, I was mentioning earlier that the studio doesn't really do a lot of retail. um, And that's actually in and of itself been one challenge in multiple ways. Um, But I've started working with Uh, one of my instructors to do a line of hand dyed yarns that can be used. Uh, Our main market is knitters, but weavers could definitely also use it, um, especially for weft. Um, So we've done a small kind of test market of it. And so we've now kind of decided we want to do that a little bit more and make our yarns available online and possibly work with some of the local people in our fiber shed to get some of their yarns in our line. Um, We're not using natural dyes, so it wouldn't be a fiber shed yarn. Um, We are trying to kind of appeal to the aesthetic of, um, I don't know if you've heard the term, but like indie dyed yarn, Um, but we'd love to have a local base for it. Um, So that's that's a project we kind of hope to get off the ground maybe early 2020. Um, We're kind of starting the back end work of it now and then kind of hope to have that released sometime in early 2020. Um, The other project is um, it's kind of personal and business at the same time. Um, I had a reality check, you know, and realizing that I'm pursuing one avenue uh, in my life that's one of my dreams, one of my passions, um, but all the while neglecting another. Um, And that other thing is traveling. And shortly after having this kind of realization that I lost that part of, you know, my passion. Um, 
uh, well, I had asked myself, I was like, how can I combine these two things? How can I combine both of my passions and like be successful in each of each of them? And so shortly after that, a woman reached out to me and said, hey, I'm organizing a textile experience in Peru. Would you like to come? And so uh, last month um, in early September, I went to Peru and I worked there with the artisans in a community in the Sacred Valley. Um, the community is called Paracancha. And there we did natural dyeing and spinning and backstrap weaving, which I had not done before. So that was such a treat. And in that experience, um, it kind of dawned on me that in this way I could bring together both of my passions. So I am now setting myself a new goal. <laughs> Um, which is to offer international or, well, yeah, I'd say probably mainly international experiences related to textiles, um, hopefully one a year. Um, and just kind of as opportunities come, you know, a lot of people show interest in learning about the uh, Japanese ways of indigo dyeing or in Oaxaca, their natural dyeing and weaving techniques um, in Peru, their weaving techniques. So I've just actually uh, finalized a textile experience for my community to uh, go to Peru in March. Um, and I hope that it will be successful and that it will be something that can continue on in my business. Um, and yeah. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. I look forward to um, seeing some of those images and we'll definitely uh, post those in the blog posts when we post about this episode. Can you um, share with us how we can find you? on the internet, Facebook, Instagram, your website. Yep. All three of those. Uh, the website is fibercirclestudio.com. Um, we list our workshops and events there. I just posted the visiting Peru link. Um, that's got some of the photos from the trip. If you're interested in seeing some of those, um, hopefully then in early 2020, we'll also have a shop link. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Fiber Circle Studio, as well as Facebook. Awesome. So before you go, we have a question that we ask everyone that joins the podcast, and that is, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with weavers and textile enthusiasts? I do. Um, if you... Feel it somewhere inside of you, whatever it may be related to um, in your passion and your your fiber art journey, your weaving journey. Go for it. Um, don't let uh, your own self-judgment or self-doubts get in the way. Um, you have no idea the possibilities that may unfold in front of you. And that could be something as small as the next project you're working on um, or something larger. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining yeah. the podcast. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. <laughs> That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out more about Alicia, you can find links to her website in the show notes 
at www.gistyarn.com slash episode 84. Next week on the podcast, Sarah is speaking with Amy McKnight. Amy is a North Carolina-based fiber artist and weaver and also appeared on episode 55 of the podcast. In next week's episode, they talk about Amy's most recent project, traveling around her county to teach weaving and create a public community art project about the threads that bind her community together. So stay tuned next week for that episode. Until next time, happy weaving! Happy weaving!